Hi, this is Pastor Emily McGinley from Urban Village Church, Hyde Park, Woodlawn. If you've been to UVC, you'll know that we seek to be three things, bold, inclusive, and relevant. We know that there are countless folks across the country and out there in podcast land like yourself, seeking a message that will bring insight, hope, encouragement, and joy as we do this thing called faith. Please consider making a financial gift to help us with this work of inspiring, equipping, and sending out agents of gospel life and inclusive love. Just go to www.urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks for listening, and God bless. Our passage for today comes from Matthew 17, verses 24 through 27. Listen for what God is saying to you. When they came to Capernaum, the people who collected the half-shekel temple tax came to Peter and said, Doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he said. But when they came into the house, Jesus spoke to Peter first. What do you think, Simon? From whom do earthly kings collect taxes? From their children or from strangers? From strangers, he said. Jesus said to him, Then the children don't have to pay, but just so we don't offend them, go to the lake, throw out a fishing line and hook, and take the first fish you catch. When you open its mouth, you will find a shekel coin. Take it and pay the taxes for both of us. May God add a blessing to the hearing and living out of this scripture. Amen. Good morning again. My name is Emily McKinley. I think I did not introduce myself before. I'm the pastor here at Urban Village Church, Hyde Park, Woodlawn. Um, just grateful to serve in ministry alongside many of the folks that you have already seen up here and many people that we don't, you don't ever see up front but who help us do what we do and be who we are. I'm grateful to, to be in um, ministry and community. Um, as we turn our hearts and minds to um, what God would say to us through our passage today, let's begin with a word of prayer. God, we thank you for the gift um, to gather together um, on rainy days, on sunny days, in the turning of the seasons, and always um, within, squarely within uh, the center of your love. And so we ask that as we move into this space, um, that you would clear away the clutter in our hearts and our minds and help us to be um, present uh, to what it is that your spirit would have to say to us today. We pray this with gratitude and in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. When I was in high school, I took an intro to chemistry class, which was humbling. Um, and uh, for the most part, what I remember about the class overall was less about chemistry and more about the friends that I made and um, my wonderful teacher, Mrs. Matthews. Except for one thing, there's one thing also that I remember. On the very first day, Mrs. Matthews was talking about science and how much of science is about the power of observations. Observations, she said, enable us to better understand the objects and events that we encounter. So she lit a candle, much like this one, which is no longer lit. Let me try this again. This is a new wick. So she lit a candle. And then she invited people to make observations about what they saw. And so they said things like, thank you. They said things like, it's white. It's about 
two inches tall. Um, it's about an inch and a half wide. Uh, there we go. And the flame is kind of this tall, um, you know, and other kinds of um, observations, right? And so after getting kind of all the observations that she could possibly glean from the class, Mrs. Matthews then did something astonishing. She blew out the candle, which is already blown out, <laughs> so it works out. And then she ate it. People gasped, jumped out of their chairs, and were generally dramatic in the way that high school students are. But it's a cool trick, isn't it? As it turns out, the candle wasn't a candle at all, but it was a banana <laughs> with a pecan wick. <laughs> that doesn't light very well. Um, it was a perfect and fun way to show us that what you see is not always what you get. So you better pay attention. Well, paying attention and paying taxes are what our passage for today is all about. So today, as uh, Rashada mentioned earlier, we're beginning a sermon series, Strange Jesus, to explore some of the more bizarre stories that are found in the gospel. And as our staff and pastors were discussing potential scripture passages for the series, one of the things that came up, one of the passages that came up was this one. So what the heck is going on here, right? I mean, this is like a first, is this like a, a first century uh, version of the old coin from behind the ear trick, right? Um, it's one thing to heal someone. It's another to pull a coin from a fish's mouth. Couldn't have Jesus, like, just taken it out of his pocket? Like, did he have to be so dramatic, right? So, or was there, like, something more that he was trying to do? Well, in order to get there, it might help to understand a little of what's going on. In this passage, we're kind of dropping in on sort of an insider argument. There was a, um, a lot of debate about the concept of temple taxes, what it really meant, who should pay it, and what kind of penalty you could or should get by not paying it. The idea of temple taxes started way back when this uh, fellow Nehemiah, who was the cupbearer to the king of Persia, received permission to head back to Jerusalem and like whip his people into shape. They were kind of a mess spiritually, economically, and socially. So he set up all these reforms and got an infrastructure going that um, was not only organized, but also funded by taxes that he instated. And the point of all of this was to get his people on strong footing and to rebuild the temple, which was a super important thing because it symbolized their spiritual strength. So fast forward a bunch of centuries, and like a company that is still making you fax its forms, Collecting money this way was just no longer made sense. Well, that's not entirely true. The temple institutions still needed money to make sure that folks were getting paid and to buy supplies like unblemished goats and lamp oil and that kind of thing. But you know how people do, right? What was intended to be like a, hey, we're all pitching in to make a thing happen because we love the Lord and know that community, a strong community is good for everyone. What ended, it ended up being kind of much more of like a bureaucratic re requirement that felt more like a spiritual ransom note. So you stack on top of this the financial extortion that was conducted through Caesar's empire, and it felt like having to pay a 1099 monthly subscription in order to see Disney movies because Disney decided to pull all of its movies from every other streaming platform, and now you're paying for Hulu, Amazon Prime, Netflix, and Disney. I'm just speaking in hypotheticals here. But for real, with the accumulation of bills and debt, folks were feeling the pinch. 
And because the church really did actually need the money, the only leverage they had was to kind of sort of tell you that, like, if you didn't pay, you couldn't belong. Or you were, as some of my Baptist friends uh, might say, a reprobate. And so, depending on who you were talking with, it was less of a kind of sort of and more of a, if you don't pay, you are dead to me kind of situation. People had different opinions about whether or not the tax was fair or right or reasonable, uh, but everyone knew that they should pay. It just wasn't a good look if you didn't. There was a lot of social pressure, shame, and guilt all mixed up in it. And so when the tax folk came to Peter and asked him, not will your teacher pay the temple tax, or even does your teacher pay, but doesn't your teacher pay, Peter takes a hard swallow. You can almost feel him sort of straightening his back and lifting his chin. Of course he does. Who do you think Jesus is? And so when Peter returns to where they're hanging out, he can almost tell by Jesus' laser focus and line mouth emoji face that something is about to go down. <laughs> what do you think, Simon? Jesus asks. Gulp. What do you think? From whom do earthly kings collect taxes? From their children or from strangers? Now, little known fact about me, I have sadly read a number of articles about the British royal family. It is one, uh, my, as, it's kind of like my junk food for the mind. And all of the articles I've read, um, in all of them, never once have I heard of Princes Charles, William, or Harry, or other members of the British royal family. Never once have I heard mention of them paying taxes to their mother or grandmother, the Queen of England. Do earthly kings and queens collect taxes from their children and grandchildren? Please. They'd be getting that check from QE2 on the regular, right? Not the other way around. And so when Peter responds, from strangers, of course, I'm like, of course, right? And interestingly enough, Jesus is also like, of course. And P.S., I'm a, a son of God. And also, P.S., spoiler alert, I am God, right? But here's the thing, right? Jesus is a bright fella. He knows people are watching him, looking for anything they can pin on him to discredit him and take him down. He's weighing his options. If he pays, he appears to be kind of like buying into those social pressures and the BS respectability politics that are surrounding the whole debate. But if he doesn't pay, he runs the risk of being the kind of person who critiques the system but has no skin in the game. It feels a little bit like a lose-lose situation. But fortunately, Jesus is an expert at finding a third way. He tells Peter... Just so we don't offend them, go to the lake, throw out a fishing line and a hook. Take the first fish you catch, and when you open its mouth, you will find a shekel coin, because each uh, male over 20 had to pay a half shekel tax. You'll find a shekel coin, take it, and pay the tax for both of us. Something more is happening here. What's going on? Is this a candle or a banana? Or something else altogether? Let's employ our powers of observation. There's this word that Jesus uses in his response to Peter, scandalizo. Some of you might recognize it as being related to the word scandalize. When Jesus uses it, he's saying, let's not cause people to stumble. And by this, he means, let's not cause people to lose faith or to sin. This isn't so much about offending or scandalizing someone. It's about not getting off track, right? Not getting lost in debates that really just kind of don't do any good for anyone, right? And so I'll put it, I'll put it another way, if that doesn't totally make sense. Um, we can argue about whether or not I'm a good enough Christian, or we can have a conversation about what it means to be children of God, living, loving, and working together for something greater than ourselves. 
In part, that means paying the money to help us keep on keeping on. But let's not get it twisted. This is about us, together with God, seeking wholeness of life for all. And so, Jesus is saying, if paying the temple tax will keep our lines of communication open, if it will help you to respect what I have to say, if it will help you to hear what I have to say, fine, I will pay it. But I'm going to do it my way, just in case you're not sure if I'm legit. I'm going to send my man Peter out there to, to his boat to do what he always does and catch a fish. And from the mouth of that fish, you will hear all you need to know about who's in charge of this operation in the first place. This story is not about a fish, and it isn't about a coin. It's not about a candle or a banana. It's about the light of the world shining brightly enough to see ourselves and one another as worthy and created for God's good purposes in this world together. The temple structure matters. It orders our life together. It helps us do what we do and be who we are better, or at least it ought to, right? But the structure does not determine our meaning or value or even our belonging to the family of God. When Jesus says, what do you think, Simon? I think this is uh, actually much more than a teaching moment for Peter. I think it's also a pastoral moment. Because what Jesus senses and sees in Peter isn't just the kind of like twisting of the theological wires. What he sees is a man who wants to believe but can't bring himself to believe. To believe that he can belong, not because of what he's done or hasn't done, but simply because of who he is. A child of God created on purpose for a purpose, a member of God's big, bungling, and beautiful family, a partner in God's greater work of building a world where wholeness of life for all can be a reality. If you use your powers of observation, you might be able to see past the coin and the fish, past all the things that crowd out our attention and keep us perpetually busy and distracted, you might be able to look past all of that and see the same thing, that you are a child of God, created on purpose, for a purpose. That you are a member of God's big, bungling, and beautiful family. That you are a partner with God in building a world where wholeness of life for all can be a reality. You are all of those things, not because of what you have or haven't done, but because this is who and how God made you. And so as children of God and followers of Jesus, we keep the first things first. We pick and choose our battles wisely, not because the battles aren't worth being fought, but because there are some that are more important than others that help keep us focused on that work that we were created to do. We make choices to keep ourselves and one another aligned to God's purposes as the Spirit leads. And we do so with full confidence, knowing like Peter did, knowing all we need to know about who exactly is in charge of this operation in the first place. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks for delightful tricks that help us uh, remember that you are, in fact, in charge of the world. We thank you for the powers of observation that you give to us and the ways that those can help us not only understand more about who we are, but also who you are in us. And so I ask that as we leave this space and as we move into our week, that you would help us to remain aligned on those, um, uh, aligned on those values and those identities that you show us in the work and ministry of your son, Jesus Christ. 
that we are called for a purpose, that we are created on purpose, and that we belong no matter what. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.